The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King and Cameron Colley. It's Monday morning and it's time for another episode of The Boys of Tech, this time episode 116 for Monday 16 May 2011. That's a lot of 16s in that. My name is Edwin Herman and joining us over technology from Microsoft Skype division is Brett King. Welcome along, Brett. Ohio. Great to have you on the show, Brett. And also joining us over Skype is Cameron Colley from Drinkle. Welcome along, Cameron. Hey, how's it going? Very good, thank you. And yourself? Um, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. For Monday morning. Great. And we have another person joining us, this time Alec Doughty, also from Drinkle. Welcome along, Alec. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's great to have you on our show. And it's uh, a first time for you, isn't it, on this show? Absolutely, it is. First time panel. My first podcast. Is it the first podcast you've participated yep. in? Absolutely. Cameron Colley didn't let you talk to the other podcasts when you were being interviewed for your Drinkle thing, right? Well, I didn't really want to. Didn't you? <laughs> But you no, do now, right? You're obviously... Uh, I'm, I'm the wallflower of the group. Cameron, uh, right. Cameron's the out there wacky hats kind of guy. And you're on a, you're on a green screen. <laughs> wacky, but, wacky hats. You're using a green screen and doing some coding in a back room somewhere, hidden away. Yep, yep. People, to the desk. Yeah, and people slip pancakes and kippers under the door. Well, not pancakes <laughs> anymore, but I'm on a high-protein diet. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, okay, so the kippers, they're there to do... You just wouldn't, well, you wouldn't want them together anyway. All right, so the, the biggest story this week is, is an obvious one. Uh, in fact, I alluded to it in my introduction. Microsoft has announced it has purchased Skype. What do you reckon, guys? Go hard. Well, I think this is a, an interesting move from Microsoft. It, it, it means that they're, um, that they're serious about really make, making a mark in the cloud, I think. That's right. The thing that I, took me by surprise, and probably everyone else, though, was the amount they paid. It was eight point oh, five US billion. That's five point two billion pounds yeah. in cash. Yes, mm. no stocks. No, no stocks. stocks. No. Yeah. Largest acquisition they've ever made. One of the largest acquisitions ever made, yeah. and way over the estimated value of what Skype was. Yeah, Skype Close was supposed to, to be double what they estimated for their IPO last year. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like four point five billion. So why yep. have Microsoft paid so much for it? I mean, are they? Is it the brand they're wanting? Is it the? Well, it must well, be the brand because they yeah. haven't really <clears throat> said anything when they've because they've done all these um, press releases and that about their acquisition of this thing, but in none of them do they actually say what they're going to do with it, why they bought it. Yeah, that's where all the speculation comes in, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, yeah. full of speculation as to why they did it. Any predictions? Everybody was specul- speculating as to why eBay did it in the first place, but. Now it's just like past the parcels. Well, the whole idea with eBay. Well, do it now. Well, the whole idea with the <laughs> eBay was that they could integrate into the auction platform, and that would be a means of you know bringing the two parties, the seller and the buyer, together. That would have been didn't perfect. Re- but that that didn't really work, though. Did no, it? It didn't no, work. They didn't even try. Well, they didn't, yeah, exactly. They didn't even try to integrate that that into into eBay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But had, I, had I they. think it, it wasn't needed anyway. The, the no. brilliant thing about these online auctions is that you don't have to be online at the same time. 
an American put, can put something up on eBay and I can buy it here while they're asleep. Yeah, but what if you want to ask a question live and, you know, sure, you can post a question and you can get a response back, but if they're on, you see an icon, click it, and it goes over the Skype network, hey, you know, what's the deal with but this? Couldn't you just do that already? But then you'd, but you'd you be know. fielding questions left, right, and center. You'd have to be on Skype all the time to actually yeah. feed these live Well, no, questions. I assume it would only and be when you're logged into your eBay. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We're kind of making this up as, hypothetically. As, but. as a seller, I, I think it would still end up with people leaving messages, just like video voice messages instead yeah. of sending an email because yeah. you've still got that delay. I mean, and, and unless you do that live chat thing and the seller would have to be online 24 hours a day to be able to facilitate that. This would be an addition to the to the existing you know method of leaving a... Well, yeah, but you can still do everything that you've just mentioned about having Skype yeah. without having Skype integrated into eBay. Well, I'm not exactly. sure. Can, can you, because don't they, doesn't strategic. eBay keep, keep the seller and the buyer apart until the deal's done or do they let it, you... It is. So and, you can, you can send the, emails... To to the uh, to the seller beforehand and ask questions yeah. before yeah. the end of the auction. Uh, so you and actually know their email be, address. Can you contact by Skype? Yeah, you do it. You do it through eBay. You don't do it directly yeah. to their email address. Yeah, but that's it's, what I mean. Then so yeah. they are. Oh, but you can, you're saying you can still communicate directly. So it doesn't get posted exactly. on, the, on the eBay site. It's like a, 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 a no, channel. It, yeah, they, yeah, they act as a yeah. basically a post office where they take emails and forward them on. Exactly. Right, right. It's just like using a forum. When you're a member of a forum, you can private message other Direct people message, on the yeah. forum. Okay, yeah. Or on Twitter, the other, same yeah. thing on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. It's the same facility. So back to Microsoft. I mean, any predictions as to what Microsoft's going to do with this? My prediction on this is that they're actually going to heavily integrate it into uh, Xbox with the Kinect. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. I can. And, and okay. All, all of a sudden, all of those Kinects and Xboxes out there automatically become Skype boxes as well, which means you can make video conferencing calls to anyone on Skype from your living room. Yeah. I, I hadn't. I, Good I idea, like that. Yeah. I'm liking it. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, I think they just wanted to keep it out of Google's hands. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's what the other thing I wanted. As well. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that would that's, definitely be another thing. That's the big price. That's the reason why they just went, look, we'll offer you this. And I you think know. you're right. That might explain the price. Absolutely. Oh, I was listening to another, another podcast earlier, and they mentioned that one of the hypotheses of this deal is that it, it tax implications within the US because Skype is European-based. They've got a whole bunch of cash reserves in Europe that they haven't paid tax on. Yeah, and also uh, where in Europe makes makes is very important. It's in Luxembourg, so yeah, yeah that's as, you know as you're saying, it's a uh, one, tech one of the theories is that they paid this much just because it's the best thing they can do with that money. Because as soon as they bring it in the US or spend it in the US, give it to shareholders, whatever, they pay tax on it. But buying Skype, they don't. That was that was a theory. I uh, you know I think there's probably some some merit to that actually. Mm. I, uh, Which is why they just went all out and went, we're having it, not you, Google, not you, Facebook. We're having it. We're going to outbid you. Is it a sad day for Skype? I mean, obviously not for the owners, but is it a sad day for Skype users? Well, we won't know that until we find out what Microsoft's going to do with it. Uh, at the moment, I, maybe, maybe, free. maybe two or three years ago I would have said yes, but given uh, what Microsoft had done with the uh, Windows Mobile phone, and what appears to be a new way of looking at innovation and development, I think they're probably going to treat it okay. 
you think we'll still get? So you still think we'll get a free Skype to Skype? I think uh, you'll. I think you'll. Yeah, I think Skype. They absolutely. this is their the first service. I think they'll yeah. they'll, they'll still keep. Yeah. Do you think they'll keep they'll, developing for the Mac? The whole, yep, the Mac, Linux, um, Android. They'll, they'll still maintain all of those alternative platform applications. I think they would be stupid to give away that many users. Yeah, definitely. But would it not just stagnate? I mean, I'm sure they're not going to cut them off. But would they? You know, would it not just stagnate and? You know, Mac users are left with a functioning but old version. I don't know. Maybe I'm being no, a little no, cynical no, here. Definitely not. They're no, shooting themselves okay. in the foot. This yeah, Skype yeah. is no. the the largest internet phone company, basically. Yeah. And yeah, doing anything which no, hurts the user base would just be shooting themselves in the foot. An eight point five billion dollar foot. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And no, you're right. A lot of podcasts are done over Skype. A lot of phone calls. A lot of customer service for companies is done over Skype. It's Skype. It's like there's nothing else. It's, and this it's is, the de this facto is, standard. Yeah, it is. And this, yeah. this is the other reason why I think they wanted it because they have no, as I discussed earlier with Alec and a few other people, they have no web presence. They've got no decent web product that they can turn around and say, "Hey, we're cool too. Look at this." Mm. I mean, I've, I've got to say, I like what they've been doing with their live product suite and. Yeah, I think Skype will integrate quite nicely into that down the road. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, but in terms of a brand, in terms of an internet brand, they've they've purchased something pretty cool. They yeah. have indeed. They've purchased a name that everybody knows. Absolutely, yeah. there's a lot of goodwill associated with the Skype brand. Yeah. So as long as they as long as they play their cards right and don't screw with it, which I don't think they will, I think it's it's going to work out perfectly. It, it's it's like yeah. Good stuff. Just means they'll be keeping us on our toes as we wait to see what it is that they're actually going to do with it. I'm really hoping that they uh, move fast and really integrate Skype in with Windows Phone 7. Mm. Yeah, I can see why they would want to do that. That would work really well. Right then, onto some Google stories. Google's just launched Google Music, which is a kind of a storage place on the net and the cloud, if you like, for your music. And you can access it from, I like the way it says this, from any compatible device, which is really only the Android devices. But hey, that's cool. <laughs> no, they, they have said that they have clients for Mac and Windows. Oh, do they? Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have oh, I thought it was that. just Android at the moment. No, no. no. Okay, no. all right, I stand corrected. The idea is that you can throw your music up on the cloud and you can access it from anywhere, anytime, anytime you like, so long as you're connected. Yeah. You don't have to worry about, you know, your computer gets stolen or... So it's in the cloud, so it's available pretty much anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Unless but they're doing it in a, a, a slightly different way because people might be thinking they've already got online storage, you know, cloud storage places, and they might upload their, back up their music to that sort of thing. What this does is it provides it streaming. It streams the music to the devices. So if you've got the app on your Android smartphone, it'll stream the music to the smartphone instead of downloading it onto the smartphone to play it. So that's well, what I, they're doing for this. I think this is the key to their their strategy legally as well, is they're only yeah. streaming it. You can't download it against once you've uploaded it. Yeah. It's streaming only. The only way you can get to that music afterwards is to stream it. Yeah. So it's not really a cloud storage place for your music. It is more a providing your music, well, making your own music available to you on any device you might happen to randomly get access to. Exactly. And I think this is a but great it, it idea. Does not, it does not serve as a music backup. You still need to have that somewhere else. Exactly. The only thing is they haven't got the buy-in from the major labels yet, have they? 
Well, they no, don't which need is to why they do. That's the point. Not for they, this surface. They do they for the, if they want to integrate a store. Yeah, they they wanted to integrate have and that sort of thing like um, Amazon does and, you know, iTunes and et cetera. But yeah, they haven't gotten any buy-in, haven't been able to negotiate with that. But but this storage space completely bypasses the music 20, industry. They songs, don't need them. 20,000 songs, which I, I, I think is just an amazing sort of starting point. Well, they've, they've always not cared about how much storage space people use, have they? Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the big things exactly. about Gmail. Gmail, yeah. we don't and care what, how much email you have. Just scale, use up the space. doesn't matter. Absolutely. We've got tons of it. Scale is something that Google <laughs> brings to the table. I mean, if you look at the Amazon's competing service, the cloud drive, that's like five gig for 20 bucks or something. Mm. US, only available in the US. Same, same with this service. So I'm I'm a bit skeptical about whether this actually gets launched internationally or not. Oh, the the, the, the sorry, the Amazon's actually free, five gigs free, but you can upgrade uh, to to twenty right. gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, either twenty dollars a year or once you buy your first uh, MP3 album. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you're saying, and you know you're you're so right. Google brings scale to the table. Mm. It certainly knows how to do it, and it's always done that very well. I'm surprised, Brett, I haven't heard the disadvantages of the cloud system. And, you know, that's one of your little pet peeves, isn't it? Well, the when, when the cloud goes down, the or, standard ones, yeah. When or, the cloud goes down, you don't get it. When you fall off the internet or yep. when your country gets disconnected from the rest of the internet, that's the it key. goes down. If some little old lady in your neighborhood is looking for copper, yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And cuts through cuts that through line. Yeah. Well, no more access to music. If, you know, you're happen to be sharing the same copper as somebody else, the same bandwidth as somebody else who's currently downloading the entirety of the internet. house MD. Ha- oh, okay. I was going to say, I was going to say Harry Potter. <laughs> or, or the latest Harry Potter movie. Uh, you're going to get <laughs> yeah. constantly buffering. You're going to have all of the same negatives that you get like when you're watching a YouTube clip the internet if you've got a nice stable connection it's going to be fine if yeah. you have a connection like the vast majority of the world it's not going to be quite so good the thing i like about this service though is the the compatibility it has with the number of file types that it can actually take mm. um so it it does flack it does lossless mp3 oh, obvious yep. the um yep. aac it does do aac yeah yeah and for it to not only support those and stream those, that's that's 20,000 songs in, in Flack is a hell of a lot of data. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I, I think um, the name, though, Music Beta, is crap. Well, they put beta on everything. That's, Remember, no, Gmail was Gmail the name music by, the music, music by Google. That's just... Yeah, Google Music. Google Come Music. On. What is that? That's pretty ordinary. Yeah. I think it, it indicates that this isn't the... The end of their music strategy. It's only the beginning. No, that's, it's, right. it's that's, true. that's true. That's yeah. true. Yes, well said. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Another Google story I wanted to talk about was the introduction of laptops running the Chrome OS, and uh, they've got a, a plan to rent them out to businesses and schools. Are there a couple of manufacturers, or is it just the one at the moment? Samsung. Samsung. Uh, Samsung's been Asus. selected. Just Samsung. Sorry. Samsung and Acer. Oh, and Samsung Acer and Acer. The other one, right. Samsung and Acer. Yeah. So, yeah, they've, they've made deals with Samsung and Acer to produce notebooks with Chrome on them. Yeah. And everything's in the cloud. It's, you know, again, aligned with, with Google's strategy. Everything's in the cloud. Absolutely. So all your documents, all your 
music actually could be on this cloud system. Indeed. So it once again only works for those people who have a really good connection <laughs> or a really good data plan if they're going okay. over 3G. And Trying to do cloud know, stuff over 3G would be horrible. We all know schools have really good internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be the bottleneck, isn't it? I mean, schools, yeah. it's not going to work that well for them. No. no. So if, if schools are all, all of a sudden dependent on having a, uh, a a fast connection to support all of these cloud-based devices, I think that an entire infrastructure change within education is necessary. Yeah. It's definitely not going to happen in any place that isn't America. And even in America, America's education system is, by their own accounts, completely uh, sort of lacking in, in that sort of uh, area. In fact, I think the, the best internet lies, if I remember correctly, in parts of Europe and Japan. Yeah. A Korea. Oh, uh, Korea as oh, well, actually. Korea. Yes, you're right. I think Korea Korea is... has the fastest internet on the yes, planet. Yes, yes, you're yep. right. Because mm. they're always beating Brett when they're digging up for they're gold. they're gamers. In <laughs> exactly. Because they're gamers and they're playing yeah. StarCraft 2 and original StarCraft and broadcasting it live over the internet and over the airwaves so that you can tune in to watch nice. famous people play or famous you... in the gaming game. Are you serious? Yes, I'm completely serious. When I was in Hong yeah, Kong yeah. last, I was watching Korean TV and I, I watched a um, professional StarCraft tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Broadcast live on, on their national television. It's yeah. insane. Wow. Yeah. It's a national sport. Yeah, it's, it's a legitimate professional sport. <laughs> That's awesome. Right then, on to another Google story. Apparently, some of the image searches have been poisoned. Has anyone come across that? I have. I have indeed. I've had uh, several questions from one of our admin assistants who was doing a Google image search for some pictures for a birthday card that we were producing for one of our staff. And yeah, she kept being bounced. Instead of getting creative designs for a tree, she kept getting bounced to a site which pretended to be Windows Explorer telling her to telling her that she's got a virus and these Oh yes, yeah, and we all know what go- happens from there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's all downhill. It's all <laughs> yeah. downhill. But it was surprising just how many of the image searches, uh, image results were poisoned. And well, they, they were all bouncing few, to really? the same. Yeah. It appears to be quite a quite an issue. It is quite a severe problem. It is a regular occurrence now for you to do a, a Google image search and to discover that some of the images on your results page will bounce you to a site which tries to install malware. So people might be wondering, how can, how can this even happen? I mean, with a Google service hacked? Well, not at all. Really, what it is, the people doing this, uh, when the Google crawler comes around to their site, it serves up the good photos, right? This is when you know the, the Google thing is crawling your site. It just serves up the images it normally would. But when someone does a Google image search and that site gets returned in the results, Google displays a preview of that image and it's then that the website detects that that's the result of a search and then serves up the, the dodgy code that sends you off somewhere. And it's all because it's all because Google uses an iframe as part of their image search results display. They have an iframe which displays a you know uses JavaScript to display the picture, overlaying the actual web page that the picture came from, plus a sidebar of Google's, which tells you, do you want to look at the image itself or do you want to look at the page that it came from? And all of that is displayed in an iframe, and 
because of the way that the JavaScript is written on the offending page, it recognizes that it's come from a Google image search results page. And when you then click to go to it, it just passes you off to a completely different server. Have some malware. Exactly. People do get sucked into this. They see these fake messages saying, oh, you've got a virus. Oh, do well, I? Yeah. When, you're, click when your browser window suddenly looks like it's a Windows Explorer looking at your hard drives and it's got a box in the middle of it saying, alert, malware detected, click OK to continue or click OK to remove malware. And clicking OK just makes you download and install something. Yeah. <laughs> it can be quite convincing. Cameron, I don't know about you, but for, I mean, you're on a Mac like me, and uh, when I see these, it just makes me laugh because I, I see this end, yeah. Internet Explo- this Windows rather Windows Explorer one now, and I'm like, I'm not even using yeah. Windows. Yeah, I know. Um, it makes me laugh too because sometimes it, you know you get a pop up and say scanning detected on, it'll mention like my C drive, yeah. and it'll tell me there was exactly. like some sort of Windows file. I'm like, yeah, luck, I'm gonna fall for that. <laughs> exactly. exactly, exactly. Occasionally, so I have, because you know you most people in the world use a PC. That's right. But I have seen the odd Mac looking one as well. I have seen that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, very, very few between. Uh, you know, Those you, will be ones that have been poisoned off of a Mac centric site. Well, they can detect anyway. I mean, if they're really smart, they can detect whether you're using well whatever OS you're using and serve up yeah. the correct image. Accordingly, that's why not hard to do. The sophisticated you ones change your theme. If you change your theme from the default theme, the default colors, then whatever fake window pops up is going to look different than your actual windows. And so you'll know that you're looking at something fake. Well, yeah, I guess that's one it's thing a good you can do to help. For, well, yeah, it's a good yeah. hint for people who aren't computer savvy. Yes, it's what yeah. I did at work. It's just changed the default theme and said, if it doesn't look like this, if the windows don't look like this window, it's not a real window. Something like no script. The Firefox plugin is, is uh, a good option when, when you are doing uh, image searches on Google at the moment because mm. you don't know how many of, of these returned results are actually uh, poisoned. So you're better off uh, protecting yourself and disabling JavaScript. Exactly. You don't actually know it's been poisoned until you click on it to go there. Yeah. yeah. The NoScript add-on for Firefox is pretty good, but... If you're smart enough to actually be able to set up and use the NoScript add-on, you're smart enough not to fall for the uh, trap when you click on and get redirected. Now, apparently Facebook might have been behind a smear campaign against Google. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, apparently they paid a PR firm to, to go and put doubt in people's minds as to the security with Google products. Wow, so the security of people's... Private data. Mm. Private data. Wow, isn't that a bit of pot calling kettle black? I, I think may, may, trying maybe to a little bit of... Uh, from all of the bad PR yeah, yeah. about privacy settings that they've been getting. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why they're doing it. That's for the very reason. They, they, you know, they kind of feel they're copying it all and maybe they feel that Google deserves a little bit more <laughs> than what it's got or trying, you know, as you say, trying to deflect it a little bit, trying to spread, yeah. spread it a uh, bit more. My, my question is why didn't they just do what, um, for instance, what Google did when uh, the, the Microsoft search thing was going on and actually just come out and go, ha-ha, we caught you. Why sort of go through, through back channels like this? Oh, so you're saying if there really are some yeah. legitimate claims that, you know, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, try to the open. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it would be... Exactly what I said. It'd be part, people would look at it going, well, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? It's Facebook trying to pass the buck. 
if they actually came out and said, well, Google's doing it too. Uh, yeah, but it I, seems I, more I underhand. See a little bit of that, but I mean, Facebook, I think, need to actually come out and uh, just be a bit more open about what they're doing. I mean, most of the time they, they're copying Slack because they're, they're not actually um, being forthcoming. I know. It's, they don't care about anybody else's privacy except their own. Yeah. The thing, I've said this before on this podcast, but I'll say it again. I'm just surprised that, that what they can get away with. I mean, no one's, and I'm not expecting people to leave Facebook and droves, but they really, it doesn't seem to have made much of a dent anyway at all. They, they just carry on. They can do whatever they like. Yeah, it's a bit it's, scary. It's part of that thing. When you become the biggest, you do get to wave that power around. You develop a gravity all your own. Exactly. I mean, we know there are limits, so obviously this can't, they can't sort of, you, you know, if you multiplied this by 10 or 100 or 1,000, there'd be a point in time where, where, you know, this would fall over. But like you say, the line is a long way away. Yeah. yeah how, how badly do they need to actually stuff up before people do walk away? Yeah, they'd have to stuff up pretty badly. Maybe like Sony? No, they keep trying. <laughs> I was going to bring up Sony. <laughs> there wouldn't be a complete show these days without a mention of Sony in there. Well, yes, yes. You, you can't not mention the fact that Sony's had some of the biggest signatures in recent times that, that have knocked out several of their, their services. Well, not really knocked them out. They've taken them down to make them better. They are actually coming back up. Are they? So both you and Alec are keen gamers. What have you been doing for the past couple of weeks? Playing offline, pretty much. Yeah, playing offline. Yeah, no multiplayer. Mm. Do you get withdrawal symptoms? A little. <laughs> your online community? <laughs> yeah, a little. Uh, yeah, a little. I'm, I'm more of an offline player anyway. So oh, okay. It hasn't right. really impacted me all that much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and as I mentioned last week, it's I play a specific set of games on the console and most of those are offline. Uh, several of them do have online capability or have extra features which are which are online, which have been unavailable, which has been slightly annoying, but yeah, it's coming back. I'm not going to shift to the Xbox because of it. So let's stick with Facebook uh, for a bit more. It's, it is ironic what we were just talking about because there's another story out this week that Facebook's applications have been leaking access tokens. What that means is that developers of Facebook apps can actually gain access to, to users' private data. Yeah, it's like they've recently brought in all of their extra privacy settings to make applications only be able to access the data we, the, you know, the data that we grant them access to or the data that that third-party app should be able to get access to. Something we talked about several episodes ago was uh, I mentioned that when you add an application on Facebook, it basically gets access to all of your stuff. So they brought in all these things, and now we discover that they didn't do a very good job of it, <laughs> of adding these privacy settings. Because well, they, I, th- I think the issue is that they left a back door open. So they, they transitioned to OAuth about six months ago, but they still left all of the APIs from the old legacy applications running on the old authentication system. I think that's the issue. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's right. The OAuth itself is okay, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever implemented that, Alec? 
No, I haven't. I look forward to doing so. No, well, I've done that a uh, couple of times for, for Twitter and, oh, it's it's horrible. I mean, it comes down to reading the documentation, but there's so much, it, it's so easy to miss just little bits or yeah. interpret something slightly differently. And, and the, the trying to debug the thing is just awful. You know, you don't, you don't get very useful messages. You get a, a, an error message that could mean a whole host of stuff. But anyway, that's by the by. Uh, look, we can talk about PlayStation now. Uh, one of the things that people have noticed is that, you know, the, the PlayStation Network's been down, obviously. Uh, Brett, you're saying it's starting to come back up, but it's it's not fully up just yet. And in the meantime, hackers have been working away trying to get the other OS option back on the PS3. So that's the option that I think Sony made available on the PlayStation and then took away. Remove that mm-hmm. feature with a mandatory update, so you can no longer run another OS such as Linux on the PlayStation. I think this was um, inevitable, really, with the PlayStation Network out for so long, and um, all all of the exploits from people like George Hotz sitting out there, just ready to get brought back into into play. I, I think it was inevitable that that something like this would would happen, and and homebrew would come again. Mm-hmm. Well, what else do you do, eh? When you're born, you just hack. Absolutely. Yeah. Rather than cracking. Hacking, hacking's fine. Cracking is bad. Well, I mean, look, the terms nowadays really kind of mean the same thing, don't they? Originally, I... In media, yeah. They've become synonymous. But to people who, you know, have some nonce in technology, they still have their separate meanings. I don't get too wound up about these things. I mean, language changes. I'm, I, I know the original meaning of cracking versus hacking, but now I just use... The word hacking to mean cracking. How do you refer yeah. to the good sort? Like yeah, the, exactly. I don't have a word yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> it all the gets fingers. lumped in what together with the talking about the colour of people's hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could. There you go. A white, a white hat or a grey hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, indeed. Or a beige hat. Beige hat. What's a beige hat? You know, somebody who didn't want to be a white hat or a grey hat or a black hat. They could wear a beige hat. Oh, did you boring make that up? Or was that real? Boring. I made hackers. it up. Oh. Exactly. That'd be boring hackers. Those are hackers who just hack your regular sort of computer. Oh, right. I thought, I thought there's a bit of geek culture there that I'm missing out on. Well, it is. It's beige. You know <laughs> okay. what beige is? Yes, beige I know. Mean, beige is boring. Beige computer. is PC. You know, exactly. It's, 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 yeah. I remember when, you know, the IMAX came out and they, they had a whole heap of beige references in their ads and, and stuff like that. So what are we talking about now? We want to talk about the flexible phone made from electronic paper. What do you reckon about that? How it's, cool is this? Oh, it's pretty neat. A sheet it of paper, is. a sheet of electronic paper, and it's a phone. Well, it's not paper. It's a sheet of thin film plastic yes, embedded but it's with electronics. A, it's like paper, you know, just trying to make the you know audience feel what it feels like. Yeah, it's faux paper. It's, yes. it's plastic. <laughs> it's paper. <laughs> I reckon it looks good. I think but it's been, really you know that it's never going to it's never going to come out, and will never it will just not like, not oh. in this form factor. It, no, it, no. Like the, the, the way it's been envisaged, it won't it won't come out. But I dare say it'll come. The technology itself will be used. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a only a prototype. It's proof of concept, and it was designed purely to test the human interaction with this sort of form factor, you know, controlling a device by pressing and bending and folding. So you basically change pages by folding a corner of the device as if you were flicking a paper page. 
and he uses e-ink technology for the screen. It's absolutely marvelous technology, but yeah, yeah. it's something that we're going to, you know, it's going to be quite a ways in the future because it itself is just the display and the user interface technology. A laptop computer was connected to it, actually powering the device. Yeah, I mean, it's a prototype, so yeah. 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 All right, so that's but like saying, check out my cool little whatever, but you've got like this massive big power supply and, and data. Yeah, it's, it's, it. who's, behind, who's hiding behind the curtain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it is a bit of it an is, like that. but purely a... a so it's, you've got to carry around something the size of a car battery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like when you get those Mac Mini copies that Dell and some of the other ones do. It's a little bit bigger for a start, but then there's this huge, great big whopping power supply outside it. Yeah. Anyway, so I know what you're saying. It's, it's sort of smoke and mirrors a little bit, but yeah, I know, it, well, does, it, it does demonstrate of some of the... It's, it's a really cool proof, proof of concept. Yeah. Yes, agreed. So this is out from some Canadian researchers. So I think you're right, though. It's not going to come out in this exact form factor. Yeah, that just the, the potential of yeah. the, you know, the, the thin film, this plastic computing technology, where they were looking at how people interact with it and how they could create it you know, use it to create things. And if you fold it in one way, it acts like a watch. If you fold it in a different way, it acts like a PDA. If you fold it in a different way, it acts like a cell phone. So it's just the way that people interact or could interact with this sort of technology. It's it's really neat, but it's a long way in the future before we see an actual product, I reckon. It adds a whole new dimension to user interface designers. It does. And apparently you can get a pen and write on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's touchscreen. And it's neat. Has anyone here played with electronic paper? As in e-ink or no, no, the e-ink? you know the thin, you know, thin the feels like a sheet of paper. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. no. I haven't either, but they, I've always wanted to, and they look really cool. Yeah, a lot of uh, sci-fi shows show this this sort of uh, technology where it sort of slides out from a like a mm. handheld piece that that basically becomes a a wide widescreen tablet. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's and it's like, like a tablet that. PC, so, except it's yeah. like a piece of paper. So it yeah, like, works like an old, in a old familiar way. Scroll. Like a scroll, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, pull it out. And it, well, I mean, it could, could work like that. Oh, it's, it's a brilliant I'm piece of technology. I'm hoping it will. I'm praying that future comes to be. Yeah. Well, we've but already got watches. they just pack the power from that laptop into something which is inside the actual <laughs> Absolutely. <film. laughs> I don't know. I, I'm thinking it's probably going to be filed away with the uh, the flying car and the meal pill that never happened. Oh, but yeah, anyway. and moon bases. Exactly. I'm still exactly. looking forward to my jetpack. You yeah, can keep... buy space food sticks in the supermarket. That <laughs> is true. They're not the same. They're not space well, food It's exactly the same. I've had dehydrated Spaceman ice cream. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about the US government putting pressure on Mozilla to get rid of its Mafia Fire add-on. And Mozilla are basically saying, yeah, do we have to? Is this a legal requirement? We don't think so. Show us why we have to, and only then we'll do something about it. So what is Good this Mafia them. Fire, guys? It's a URL redirector. So they, what the US uh, Department of Homeland Security does is they will seize a domain name. So they seize the domain name, and so that domain name now redirects to like a, a DHS face page. Actually, I think it goes nowhere, doesn't it? When they no, seize it? Generally, it's redirected. No, when they re- seize it, they get it redirected to theirs. Oh, okay. Yeah, it redirects so, to a face this page. This is a bad site. Well, it's redirected to a face page saying that this has been seized by the DHS. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And so, uh, yeah, and so the and what this redirector does is if you type in a URL of a known seized URL, what it does is it redirects you to whatever that server's new name is. Because the domain names are generally registered to a US registrar, but the servers themselves are hosted externally. Exactly, and they still respond. You know, they still got the same IP address, and they still respond to that site. So all you need to do is, yeah, the other it's just like really putting a host entry in your etc. host file or for Windows. Yeah, it's exactly what it does. Yeah, Yeah, that's all it is really. That is all it is, and it's not doing well. All it is is facilitating an easier way of doing something that you could already do, which is you could do a Google search on the old URL and you would find an entry which tells you what the new one is. Oh, old IP address, you mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And exactly, and put that in your host file. That would work. So yeah, anyway, it's the, the just interesting- facilitating something you could already do and you can already do. The interesting thing I thought was that Mozilla hasn't just bowed to the pressure. They've actually asked a few questions, these being... Have any courts determined that the Mafia Fire add-on is unlawful or illegal in any way? And if so, on what basis? Please provide any relevant rulings. Number two, is Mozilla legally obligated to disable the add-on or is this request based on other reasons? If other reasons, please can you specify? And three, can you please provide a copy of the relevant seizure order upon which your request to Mozilla to take down the Mafia Fire add-on is based? And that's what they've done. They've just gone to the government and said, yeah, yeah, answer this. Because most people think that what they've asked is they've asked for something which is not a legal responsibility for Mozilla to do. It's just the, the DHS trying to leverage their power as a government entity to make somebody capitulate. Yeah, there's questions around whether the government, uh, the US government has, has overreached. Yeah. It's, it's like when a bully yeah. steps up to you in school and threatens to punch you if you do if you don't do something. It's like, well, they haven't actually punched you yet, but the whole threat is what makes you capitulate. And, it's and bullying ha- tactics. Hats off to what it is. Mozilla to for, for for not backing down on this. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the way I read it is that they will obey the request if reasons why they have to have been demonstrated. But until no, that exactly. case, they're not they're not going to, and because they're, they're, they're really like. You said earlier they are questioning whether the government can actually do this or whether they're going to overstep the mark. Yeah, precisely. And good on them for doing it. Good on them for not capitulating to somebody telling them to do something when they may or may not have any legal right to be doing it. Force it to court and get an actual ruling. Yeah. All right, and that concludes the international stories, guys. Brilliant. Awesome. So after this short musical ditty, we're going to take a look at a New Zealand story. It's a good one. It's a good news story. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. Now, this is one of those stories that uh, I think we've covered one like this before. It's a good news story. It starts off with some bad news. A computer store owner has his shop burgled and his laptop is stolen. However, the tables are turned because he remotely controls his computer. He connects to it remotely from his iPhone. I think he calls up Skype and yeah. uh, gets Skype to, to record you know, from the camera what's going on. And so now he's got a fairly clear recording of the thief. And it's not long after that that the, the police actually catch the thief. So isn't that fantastic? It's awesome. The computer, yeah, the computer store story. was Proformac in New Plymouth. 
and apparently a 29-year-old and a 32-year-old were arrested. Isn't that a cool story in the end? Yeah, it's, it's a neat yeah. use of the technology. I, I love this story. It's, it's great. It's always nice when, you know, when tables are turned in this yeah. sort of situation. Happy endings are always good as well. The, the comment I was going to make yeah. was, was that I, I'm sure we're seeing more and more of this now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, it harkens back to that story uh, when we had that guy on who had, you know, caught the thieves who were in his house Mm. when his computer told him that there was movement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same sort of story, except like the opposite. Instead of the people breaking into the house and stealing stuff and it happening, being caught at the time, it's somebody discovered that their laptop had been burgled and activated it remotely and got some pictures of the people who'd taken it and showed it to the police and the police recognized them. That's the big yeah. one here. It's, yeah, they, 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 they were known to the police. Before. Exactly. They had stolen things before <laughs> and they were well known to the police. And so the police just went around and he got back his laptop pretty soon. Exactly. <laughs> the, the thing, I, the compulsive burglars. The thing, the thing I don't understand. Serial burglar. Yeah. The thing I don't understand, though, is that would you notice Skype launching and then the little camera light turning on? And you'd, well, you'd not see, if you just had it there. You'd see and your you face as well in the preview window. It's like, oh, hello, that's me. I mean, surely. And that you might notice. But how many times have you had your computer on in the background and you were doing other stuff, watching telly, having an argument, discussing the weather? Oh, and yeah, okay, doing business deals. Was yeah. yeah. Having yeah. an ex-marital affair with your partner in crime, like. <laughs> Precisely. Well, you two know, dudes, these, these dudes getting it on. If you're going to do that, switch the stolen <laughs> laptop off. Yeah, exactly. Good. Sound advice there from Alec. And on that note, Alec, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first time on a, on a podcast, you were saying at the beginning of the show. Absolutely. No, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Oh, it's our pleasure. Did you have a lot of fun? I did, I did. It's been great. Will you do it again with us? Oh, absolutely. Whenever you want. Excellent, because we'd love to have you back. So, Alec, thank you once again from Drinkle. Also from Drinkle, Cameron, thank you for joining us. Hey, no problem. And last but not least, thank you also to Brett for joining us on the show. Not a problem, Ed. All right, join us again next week. That was episode 116. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Oh, another, another podcast earlier. Well, you hang on. No, you don't. Okay. Go, goodbye, Alex. Podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. No, <laughs> no I'm only joking. <laughs> he just failed the test. <laughs> oh, Alex, sorry. And, that was mean. Oh, uh, just joking. I was listening to a uh, competing podcast. It adds a yeah. whole new dimension to user interface. To z- it adds a whole new dimension for interface device. It adds. It adds a whole new dimension to user interface diviners. Diviners? Water diviners. Sticks that cross over when they find a user interface. <laughs> exactly. It adds an entirely different dimension, like the third one. It's like we've got this third dimension and they've, they've created a thing which uses all three. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you guys are terrible.